0: Hi everybody, let's uh, continue on together and we're going to do what we do every week here at King's Church and open the Bible together and see what it is that God has to say to us. So if you're new here, that's how we do things each week. My name's Philip, I'm one of the pastors and we'll get into this teaching series that we're in in just a moment. Um, But this week I received a a rather wonderful text message from from my wife. And it was wonderful because within the text message was contained an audio recording that she had taken at her appointment with the midwife this week. Um, some of you will know that we're we're, um, we're really chuffed to be expecting our first baby later on this year. And the midwife's appointment had allowed Caroline to be able to receive a recording of the heartbeat of this little unborn baby, which was very exciting. So it was quite a moment for me to sit there in the car and listen to the very rapid heartbeat of our little unborn child. And, and it was a rapid heartbeat. It was like 120, 140 beats per minute. And initially I thought kind of, wow, that's that's pretty fast isn't it? Is is that healthy? Should it be beating that fast? That's a lot faster than an adult's resting heart rate. I was kind of thinking, you know, what's this little baby doing in there? Is it on some sort of treadmill? Um, And I realised, or I discovered soon, uh, despite my ignorance, I discovered that actually that kind of um, fast heart rate is exactly what you would expect for a healthy uh, unborn baby at kind of 17, 18 weeks. Uh, Actually, 140 beats per minute heart rate is evidence that the heart, and indeed the baby, is healthy. And this series that we're in, it's called Vital Signs, is very much about checking the health of our hearts. In this instance, our spiritual hearts. What are the signs, if you like, that we have healthy souls? And so this evening, I want to look at the vital sign of power. What is our power source? that we use or that we have in order to live healthy lives as Christians because that's the kind of big message of the gospel in many ways is that to be a Christian is not someone who is now subscribing to a religious um, theology or way of doing life to be a Christian is somebody who through Jesus has received newness of life actually is a new creation the Bible says someone with a new heart so how is it that we then cultivate a, a healthy new heart what is the power source that we live by, you know for our little unborn baby, its, it's heart has now grown strong enough that it actually can beat on its own, which is pretty amazing, but as well as its heart is doing to beat actually it 's true to say that he or she um, needs the power that comes from being in the uterus at the moment it 's the umbilical cord that supplies this little baby with oxygen and with nutrients. So for the heart and the baby to be healthy and to keep developing, much of its power actually comes from a source outside of itself. And I want to put it to you that spiritually, we are not that dissimilar to an unborn baby in the sense that we need an external power source to live healthily. And that's not, I don't think, particularly uh, unusual to the modern Western world. We know, we have many ways of tapping into external power sources to live healthy lives. Like just the quick online search this week took me to a number of ways that we have in the modern Western world of living an empowered life. Um, And there are lots of conferences you can go to or articles you can read or courses you can subscribe to or books you can read that will help you live an empowered life. For example, people talk about the, quote, power of living in the moment or the power of the now, some people say which is the idea that we can know power for living by not focusing on the future, but simply being present in the moment. Others talk about the power of living your dream. And others talk about the power of positive living, uh, focusing on the positives, training our minds to think positively and not negatively. And, you know, listen, there's some wisdom in all of those things. Jesus Christ, for example, had fascinating things to say about the importance of not worrying about the future of living with single-minded purpose, living in the now, if you like. But all those three schools, and there are many others that I've mentioned, they do, I think, have one fatal flaw, which is that they rely on me. Or they rely on you. They rely upon me to focus on the moment and not on the future, for example. They rely on me to stay positive and not to think negatively. I need to do that. They rely upon me to pursue my dream with single-minded determination and conviction. But Christianity provides a very different resource for living an empowered life. And that resource is not dependent on on us, or anybody else, but on God himself. So I want to look at that across three little stages in the next 20 minutes. And to do so, we're going to ask three things, three questions. Empowered when? empowered by whom, and thirdly, empowered for what. Number one, empowered when. So at the very end of Luke's Gospel, in chapter 24, Jesus addresses some of his final words to his disciples. So he's about to ascend or, or return to heaven, and that, in that sense, it's mission completed, sin and death defeated, nailed to the cross, buried in the tomb, life has won the day. Life and life To the full, with God, is now possible through Jesus' life, death and resurrection. And Jesus is commissioning his disciples to go and spread this same message of life and hope and forgiveness and purpose to people near and far. And so he says in verse 48 to his followers, his friends, I want you to be witnesses of these things. Meaning I want you to testify to who I am and the life that anyone can have in me. You are to bear witnesses," he says, "to teach this message." And then, in verse forty-nine, he says, "And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high." In that sense, it's like Jesus is saying, "Go, go, and wait, wait," all at the same time. You know, because Jesus was—he was aware that his friends, his followers, they were not impressive people says in Acts 4.13 that his disciples were unschooled, ordinary men. You know, we know that many of them deserted Jesus at his death. Some doubted him after his resurrection and after his ascension. They kind of hid themselves in a room, pretty scared. They were ordinary people, just like us, which I find very comforting. Very ordinary people, yet they had been given an extraordinary mission. From Jesus, Think about some of the things that Jesus was commissioning them to do. To take the message of the gospel to the ends of the earth. To start churches. There were no churches. To love their neighbours as much as they loved themselves. To heal the sick. To forgive their enemies. To endure violent persecution. To pray continually. And the list goes on and on. And Jesus says, go! But wait, wait until you receive power. You know, he doesn't say, go and and make sure you live in the moment. Just live in the power of the now and you'll be fine. He doesn't say, make sure you stay positive, no negative thoughts and you'll be away. And neither does he say, go, you can do it. If you want it enough, if you dream for it enough, you can do whatever you want. He doesn't say that. He says, no, you guys, you're pretty weak. And this is a pretty big task. So you need power and a power outside of yourself. Number two, therefore, empowered by whom? Empowered by whom? Well, Jesus had already kind of told them before his death who would be their power source. In John chapter 14, he said this to them. This is before his death, as I say. Verse 16. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. And then in verse 25, he goes on to say, these things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Jesus basically says, I'm returned to the Father, but we won't leave you alone. We wouldn't do that. We're going to send the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, the helper, to help and empower you. Now, it's been my experience. Sometimes people can get a little confused about the Holy Spirit. Like, who is he? We can think, yeah, God the Father, I, I, I get that, Father. God the Son, yeah, I get that personal relationship with God through the Father and the Son. But the Holy Spirit, hmm, not so sure. It's a bit kind of, that the concept can kind of slip through our fingers almost. You know, he's been referred to as the Holy Ghost over the century, which is not that helpful because it adds to the idea, sometimes at least, that the Holy Spirit is kind of a, a force or an energy, or or an experience, like electricity somehow. But the Holy Spirit is is a person, in the sense that he's, he's part of the relational being that is the Godhead. Father, Son, and Spirit. You know, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit comforts, that he can be grieved, that he convicts, he leads, forbids, declares speaks gives gifts confirms plans and desires you know an energy doesn't do those things a person does and the person of the holy spirit is is gentle he doesn't force himself on us he's powerful but essentially he uses his power to to glorify jesus and to do us good he can be trusted you know when we understand the holy spirit is not a a force to be deployed or controlled but a a person to be asked and invited God himself then I think we can we can stand back and we can be confident that the Holy Spirit comes to do us good and we can say please come please come and empower me please come and have your way in my life and so at the end of this message we're going to have the opportunity just to respond and to do just that to receive his presence and his power afresh Just like we've been doing recently, we're going to uh, take a step to respond to uh, the opportunity to receive the Holy Spirit. And the Bible talks about the dynamic of receiving the Holy Spirit in different ways. It talks about being filled with the Holy Spirit. It talks about being clothed, receiving. It talks about being in step with the Holy Spirit, which is a wonderful kind of personal dynamic to be in step with the Spirit of God, to be in partnership with him. And you don't have to be a believer to respond to the Holy Spirit, you can simply say, God, if you're there, would you come and would you clothe me with with your presence and with your power? And if you are a Christian, I want to say that this is this is part of the rhythm of Christianity, of, of following Jesus, receiving his spirit, the spirit of Jesus, afresh, again and again and again. You know, we weren't intended intended to do this alone. Yes, we tend to do it in community, but even then, not just in community. I would say authentic Christianity simply cannot be done in our own strength, even with the the best of people around us in the local church. Joining in with the mission that Jesus has in mind is utterly contingent upon partnering with the spirit that Jesus sent us. Mike Pilavachi is a, a church leader. Uh, in the UK. And, and he wrote a book called Everyday Supernatural, which has just been released. I haven't read it yet, although I've ordered it. Um, but I do know someone who has read it. And they tell me that he tells a story in this book of uh, a dad coming home from work one day. And when the dad gets home from work, his little girl says to him, Dad, Dad, can we, can we build a campfire in the garden?" Dad says, yeah, sure, we can do that. So perhaps he had some kind of scout training or not, I don't know. But they go into the garden and uh, being the good boy scout that he is, he starts to compile a little mini campfire for his little girl in the garden. And this little girl knows that when, you, when the flint comes together, the little sparks fly, and you're supposed to blow on the sparks to cause them to ignite and for a flame to come. And so the little girl starts to blow on these little sparks, but she's only a little girl, and so her, her, her puffs are kind of like... Puff, puff. She doesn't really have the, the puff or the power to ignite. So her dad just kneels behind her very quietly and very gently, and without her really knowing... He just breathes on these sparks. And sure enough, the sparks catch and ignite and a flame comes and the, the fire begins to burn. And the little girl turns to her dad and says, Dad, we did it. We did it. And of course, the dad doesn't turn around and say, no, you didn't. It was me. He's just so pleased to partner with his little girl and to bring the power that she needs that's kind of like the holy spirit you know when he breathes he empowers you to do things you cannot do by yourself and he's here to do that today and again and again but let's flesh that out empowered for what third point empowered for what exactly I'm a a history teacher, or I used to be a history teacher by by trade, and uh, you guys are very kind at indulging my passion for history occasionally. So here we go again. Aristides of Athens was a Greek philosopher, a sceptical Greek philosopher, uh, initially at least, living uh, kind of 70, 80 years after the time of Christ. And he was writing a letter to the Roman emperor Hadrian in 125 AD. And in his letter, he was trying to... Answer Hadrian's question, which is, why on earth is this thing, Christianity, why has it spread so much throughout my empire? And Aristides tries to answer his question like this. He says, they, meaning Christians, they walk in all humility and kindness. Falsehood is not found among them, and they love one another. They do not despise the widow or grieve the orphan." He that has distributes liberally to him that has not. If they see a stranger, they bring him under their roof and rejoice over him as if he were their own brother. For they call themselves brothers, not after the flesh, but after the spirit and in God. When one of their poor passes away from the world and one of them sees him, he provides for his burial according to his ability. And if they hear that any of their number is imprisoned or oppressed for the name of their Messiah, all of them provide for his needs. And if it is possible that he may be delivered, they deliver him. And if there is among them any man who is poor and needy and they have not an abundance of necessaries, they fast two or three days so that they may supply the needy with the food they need. And they observe scrupulously the commandments of their Messiah. I want you to notice how Aristides describes these people, these early Christians. Look at what he says. First of all, he says that they were humble. We could just spend time right there. You know, who finds it easy to be humble? To, to put others first, to admit our weaknesses and our need of help. To make much of Jesus and not of ourselves. We need help, don't we? I need help to be humble. I need power. I need, I need the helper who empowers me to be humble. What else were the early Christians like? They were kind. They were honest. They loved and honoured the elderly. They adopted and fostered children who didn't have a family. They extended hospitality to those in need, whether they knew them or not, and and gave them remarkable honour and dignity as a result. We're told they loved each other so well, they were like brothers and sisters to each other. They're prepared to go to jail for their belief in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And to then care for those that do go to jail for that belief. They're willing to give away their possessions to anyone who needs them. They're even willing to go without food so that others can eat. Oh, and they obey all that Jesus commanded. I put it to you. That this kind of authentic Christianity is just not possible without power. Without a power outside of ourselves. You know, spiritually we're like the unborn baby who needs to be constantly connected to the power that comes from another person. A personal power source. And I'm here to tell you that empowering, that help, that resourcing is readily and freely available time and time and time. Again, The original Greek for the word that's used for helper is the word "paraclete," which literally translates is someone who comes alongside to help you. That's the Holy Spirit. Remember, he loves to be asked, Isn't he doesn't force himself on us, he loves to be asked, to be invited, to come alongside you and empower you in every aspect of your life. You know, I'm increasingly convinced there is not a single area of the Christian life that we cannot do without the Holy Spirit. You know, just worship, for example. We're told that we worship in spirit and in truth. It's not always easy to worship the sin. We don't always feel like it. We need the help of the Holy Spirit to worship in spirit and truth. I'll often pray things like, Holy Spirit, I know that you love to glorify Jesus. So would you come and help me to do the same as I sing and worship right now? Yeah, give me gifts if, if you wish, but but help me to glorify Jesus. And he does. We need his help in worship. Prayer. You know, the, the Apostle Paul <laughs> Bible writing, church planting, saw the, uh, met the resurrected Jesus Paul, said very bluntly, we don't know how to pray, Romans 8, 26. But, he said, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. He goes on to say, the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. The Spirit helps us to pray. In fact, he prays not just with us but for us praise himself you know I've, I've known what it is to pray for a few minutes and for it to feel like hours because it's just kind of going through the motions and it's just me trying to do it when I invite the Holy Spirit to come and empower me to pray it's a different dynamic altogether I've known what it is to, to pray for for quite a long time for it to feel like minutes because it's a different dynamic altogether healing we're going to see healing in our midst. As authentic Christianity seems to indicate, we can. Don't we need the Holy Spirit. It was, it was great last week in the, in the service when, when Anna, um, who shared earlier on today, when Anna came forward and, and just said words along the lines of, I sense the Holy Spirit wants to bring some healing to us this morning. for someone Healing for, for someone with a sore, with a bad knee. Uh, and, and, and peace for someone that's feeling real anxiety. And I was really encouraged to learn that afterwards two people responded to Anna and said, you know what, I really felt maybe God was bringing some degree of physical healing or some degree of peace and change to my thinking. That's really encouraging. I think we want to be good, don't we, celebrating those things, celebrating the, the relatively small things. And I want to encourage you. Now, Anna didn't come and do that because she's she's special, in the sense that she's any more special than anybody else. She just said holy spirit i'm I'm available if you want to to speak and and would you give me the courage to come and do it and the wisdom to know what to share and of course would you be the one that does the healing and the restoring because that's what you have to do i think all of us can do that when we rely on being empowered by the holy spirit fifth example we need the holy spirit's power to love people (laughs) loving people is not always straightforward loving christians can be really, really hard. Loving people, loving our boss and our colleagues and our friends and our neighbours, forgiving our enemies, that needs power, doesn't it? You know, tolerating people is one thing. Our culture talks a lot about tolerance and tolerance is, is good. But Jesus is after something far more spectacular than tolerance. He's after like self-giving, sacrificial, your-good-over-mine love. I don't know about you, but I I need help for that. I need a power source, a personal power outside of myself to love like that. Seek the example, courage and wisdom to explain the gospel and to to talk to people about the love of God that is available to them through Jesus. Maybe again, it's just me, but... I don't find that easy, I don't feel like I'm very fruitful or effective at the moment with, in terms of talking to people and demonstrating something of the love of God to them. I was just praying about that a bit this week and I was looking out in my office window, some of you know that our offices are just fur, further up the road, on the Portsmouth Road, overlooking the river, it's quite a nice view to look out on. I was just kind of praying about a bit of this stuff and, and I kind of, my eye just got rested upon a, a guy just down below on the road at the bus shelter who I think was doing a, well, he was doing a survey for um, the London Borough Recycling stuff. And I just felt my kind of gaze rest on him. And I kind of sent God, I think, saying, I want you to go and speak to that young guy. And I want you to tell him that I love him and I've got a plan and a purpose for his life. And I was like, well, really? Not sure about that. I've got a few emails that I probably could prioritise. But I just felt God kind of confirmed that. The Holy Spirit just whisper that into my into my heart, into my mind. And so okay. Off I went, trooped outside, and as I was walking across the road, I was thinking, right, this is this is what it looks like to be living a bit of authentic Christianity. Of course I need the power of the Holy Spirit for this. I don't know what to say. I don't know I don't want to be the weird guy who just says, oh, I was looking at you out my outside on my window. So I'm praying, Holy Spirit, give me give me words to say, give me wisdom. Give me something of your love for this, for this guy. Help me to know what to it say. It's actually quite fun to be in that position, strangely enough. In that position where we have no choice but to rely on the Holy Spirit. It's a good place to be. Scary though it is. Anyway, I got talking to this guy somehow about the cycling survey and so on. And somehow kind of conversation came round to to faith and so forth. And I just said, listen, I know it sounds a bit weird, but I was just actually up in our office space just there. And I kind of just sensed that actually God wants to say to you, but he knows you, he loves you, he has a plan and a purpose for his life, for your life. And this guy was quite quick to say, yeah, okay, yeah, I know. <laughs> and it turned out that he was, he was a Muslim, and so we had a conversation about, about that. And I didn't do much more talking, I just kind of sensed that I should listen, really. But we had a conversation about what it means um, not just to be known or accepted by God or able to uh, worship God, but what does it mean to be loved by God And he didn't become a Christian, I didn't get to pray for him, the story doesn't end like that, though I wish it did. Um, But it was just a moment of of trying to be obedient to the Holy Spirit, partnering with him and relying on his power for wisdom and for a bit of courage where I lack it and for the words to say. And and I think all of us can do that, all of us can do that, all of us can, can partner with the Holy Spirit. He's so willing to partner with you and empower you to do what you can't do which is to make the love of God known and famous to those that don't know it. Seventh example, just the what I call the seasons of life. And I know that sometimes these, the, the phrase seasons of life isn't always helpful because sometimes these are not seasons, they're, they're permanent things. But the dynamics of life, by which I mean singleness and marriage and parenting and uh, and retirement and so forth, yeah, struck me by the end of this year, in the space of just three or four years, I will have experienced uh, singleness, engagement, marriage, and, and all being well parenting, just in that short time. And, and I can testify that all of those stages of life, and I'm going on good evidence for the parenting one, all of those stages of life have joys to them and challenges to them. Real challenges and real joys. When we need power in those stages and seasons of life and we have the helper who will come and empower us into those aspects of life you know the work life you guys spend a lot of time often some of you in the in the workplace uh, which is how it needs to be is to 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 use our gifts to extend the kingdom to put uh, money on the table pay the mortgage all the rest of it you know the holy spirit isn't kind of he doesn't have different tiers of things he's interested in he doesn't say, oh, work, really? No, life group's what it's all about for me. He is so keen to partner with you in the workplace environment. He's not disinterested in a tough business meeting, in a hard relationship with a boss, in a big project that's coming up. He is very, very interested in partnering with you and empowering you in the workplace to extend the kingdom, to bring fruitfulness and wholeness into those places, if you'll ask him. He'll empower, he'll empower you and partner with you. Two more examples. Oh, we need the Holy Spirit for authentic Christianity. Breaking free from destructive habits. You know, The nature of habits is that they're hard to break free from. That's why they're habits. And we all have things that we know are not for our good, that don't glorify God, are not his best for us, but yet we find hard to get free from holy spirit is able to come and breathe on those things and able to break chains sometimes in a moment sometimes over the course of time within the context of community but he can help us to break free from things that we cannot break free from not just to 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 skirt around temptation but to kill it off and break free from it he'll come today if you ask him and empower you to break free from those things and finally He comes to help us in our doubt. You know, if you're not a Christian, you need to know that when you become a Christian, it's not as though doubt goes away forever. We all have moments of doubt and struggle where we can't wonder, really? The Holy Spirit, one of the the things that he does is that he brings assurance and faith. It's one of his roles to bring faith god does not come out god does not come to snuff out your weak faith but rather to breathe life onto it he loves to come and bring faith where doubt is holding us back whether for the first time to come to faith in jesus or whether to continue in our journey of faith in jesus the holy spirit we need his help to empower us and he's so willing to do that for you should you ask Let me just finish with this. This is a quote from Phil Moore, who many of us will know. Uh, Phil Moore is a great friend to this church. He uh, oversees this church. He teaches on the academy that some of us have been trained in. He's a great particular friend to to me. He's done a great good to our eldership team. Um, And he says this about the Aristides uh, quote that I read to you earlier on. He says this, Aristides and his contemporaries were convinced that the gospel was true not because the Christians produced a church plant and factory in Jerusalem, but because they model the spirit-filled lifestyle of Christ to the ancient world. Such radical, authentic Christianity is still deeply impressive today. The gospel did not spread like wildfire through the Roman Empire because the apostles motivated rank-and-file Christians to become more evangelistic. And uh, I'm sorry rather I've done that. It did so because the early church was filled with the Holy Spirit and therefore became a new kind of community, pure, loving, caring and sincere. The world has always been sick and tired of talk-talk, but it has never failed to respond to genuine walk-walk. The citizens of Jerusalem, Antioch and the rest of the Roman Empire were simply so baffled and intrigued by the alternative lifestyle modelled by the church that against their natural preferences, they began to suspect that Jesus really might be the Messiah that Christians claimed that he was and that his kingdom might truly have come, as they said. You know, authentic discipleship of Jesus Christ within the local church is not only possible when empowered by the Holy Spirit. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And it happens a lot within the life of this church. But of course, we want more of it. We want it to go deeper. We want it to continue. And so we need again and again and again the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's available to you right now as we respond. And so I want you to consider responding in this way. If you're prepared to say the following two things. One, I admit that I can't do this on my own. I can't live authentic Christianity in my own strength. And two, Holy Spirit, would you come? Because you're prepared to admit that you can't do it and to ask for the helper to come and empower you. I want you just to to raise your hand now, to respond now. And then I can pray for us. Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, let me pray. And if you're listening, let me pray for you too. Lord Jesus, I thank you that every promise that you made, you delivered on. The promise that you made to, to die for us and to rise for us, you delivered on. And the promise that you made to not leave us alone to be your friends and followers, but to give us the helper, the Holy Spirit of God, you delivered on too. And I thank you so much, Holy Spirit, that you are so willing To be asked and invited to fill us and clothe us and empower us. To breathe on us as it were. To do what we cannot do ourselves. And so I pray right now that you, for all that have responded, you would come, Holy Spirit, so gently and lovingly and wonderfully. And would you clothe each person that has said, I cannot do this life on my own and I need your help. Holy Spirit, I say, come and clothe and fill and empower. I pray that you would empower faith where there is doubt. I pray that you would come and bring healing where there is sickness. I pray that you would come and enable sacrificial, self-giving love to people where often that can be so hard. I pray you come and enable dynamic prayer lives. I pray that you come and enable and empower us to do many things that we simply cannot do in our own strength, but which you are so willing to breathe on us and empower us to do. Amen.